0: Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, good morning. Man, are you guys just thankful for our worship team this morning leading us? Awesome. I saw some of you guys. I saw some of you testing out the postures of praise for the first time. I saw some, you know, some very first time holding the TV people. Like, you took a chance. You looked around. You're like, are we safe? <laughs> I saw some of you. I saw the I saw the person who took the risk today on holding the tools for dad just kind of like, We're there, you're waiting, but I love it. I love seeing us just constantly grow and uh, learning just how to praise God. And I want to encourage you, this is a really safe space to do that, uh, to learn. And can I just tell you, we have an incredible worship pastor in Gillian Barry, and you have a great example of a life lived praising God. And I want to encourage you, if you have questions about worship or really like... You're like, man. I see you worshiping. You seem like you're so passionate. I don't really know what to do in that space, but didn't tell her. I didn't tell her this, but she works here. So I would say, like, she would love to talk to you about that and talk to you about praise and talk to you about worship because it is really a blessing. But uh, we, man, it's it has been a week, y'all. Uh, I, I <laughs> it has really been a week, and I I don't normally do like like formal responses, but. Uh, the past couple years has been my journey of like writing up formal responses and then reading them on Sunday. So I appreciate that in my third third year of being, or I guess now fourth year of being a lead pastor, uh, just you know it's all kinds of stuff to navigate. And uh, as we were navigating this, I this recent development, and I, we were celebrating the the repealing of Roe v. Wade and uh, celebrating you know where we stand and believing the sanctity of life. Man, I, I just felt like it's important to lay out where we are as a church for you so you know. There's just, there's so much noise. I thought, man, let's just lay it out. So I want to read to you something that I very thoughtfully wrote out here uh, because I think this is a better space sometimes than social media, right? I find that social media, often I'm just yelling at people that already agree with me. And, uh, <laughs> but I want to really encourage you, and I want to just lay out where we are in case you're wondering, where does Banner Church stand where do we stand? So here's where we are. We as a church believe that unborn babies are human lives. We believe this because the Bible says it and science confirms it. Because the Bible and science confirm the personhood of unborn babies regardless of their origin, including all situations that grieve the heart of God, such as rape and incest, we believe abortion is murder. The Bible human reason, and natural law tell us that murder is the greatest evil against humanity. We grieve, the Lord grieves, with every woman who has lost a child, as every life is precious. The church denounces those who would fear-monger and falsely identify processes and procedures regarding ectopic pregnancies, miscarriages, and the many other procedures in the caring of a mother in an effort to harm or shame a woman. We are now, more than ever, renewed in our commitment to stand alongside the hurting and the broken. No matter your hurt, we believe God can bring healing and restoration, and we will continue to find ways to minister to each and every broken heart. We're taking this historic moment as an opportunity to address how we as a church improve in financially and physically helping mothers and children in need. Specifically, if you're someone who would hear the call to foster and adopt, if you've been waiting for your time, now is your time. Open your ears, open your heart, open your home. There are those who do and those who don't. We don't get credit for being the kind of people that consider it. Six, the responsibility of a Christian living in democracy is to be a Christian everywhere we go. And that includes our civic involvement. We don't simp- simply pray the kingdom come to earth. We do what brings the kingdom to earth. In everything we do, we do it with and in response to the love and mercy we have so graciously and undeservedly received. Though we are imperfect, We seek to reflect Christ in every aspect of our church, every aspect of our ministry, in every part of our life. And finally, regardless of your past, his grace is enough. His grace is enough, and his grace is enough. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you for your presence here in this church, and we ask you to speak to us to encourage our hearts, to heal the broken, to renew the weary, and send us out with a passion for your name. In your name, amen. Well, it's interesting, when you plan a sermon series, we plan a little ways out, and we felt led by the Lord to do this sermon series, and I shared that at the beginning, how God was leading, and so uh, two months ago, we had planned for this Sunday a message on opposition, and uh, I love how the Lord works. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Sometimes the intro to a sermon writes itself in the headlines. It's like, I don't really need a fancy story unless you've been living under a rock recently. You should know that there are things happening in this country that people are responding in different ways. Uh, Some people are very excited. Some people are celebrating. I'm celebrating. I celebrate life. You just heard our stance. I celebrate that every day. I celebrate the life of children Invested my family into preserving the life. We even adopted one. But I know that when I look online, when I look at the news, what I see is a lot of people are angry. I see a lot of violence. Uh, there's a lot of threats. You might not know this, but anytime one of, something pops off in this city, there are notifications to us as a church that things may happen to us or our building or our resources. And uh, now you can just understand why I stay up late. There are very real threats. There's real threats. It makes me nervous when politicians are in the news threatening and inciting violence. That's concerning to me. No matter what color of tie they have, it's concerning to me. It can be scary for us. It can be overwhelming. And regardless of where you fall, I think many people are, are confused. They're concerned. Maybe they're frustrated. And so we're living in a space with a great deal of chaos. And I also don't think it's an accident, if I can be honest, not only that today we're talking about how we respond to opposition, but also that this weekend we had our 24 hours of prayer. Our prayer team set up 24 hours of prayer, and you could sign up for a slot. We had about 60 people praying for 24 hours constantly, praying in different slots, believing an incredible prayer guide that our prayer leader, my mom Sheila, made. It's absolutely amazing. It's actually still on our website. If you want to go pray, go download that. It's awesome. And I was, I was uh, had my uh, my prayer time, and I picked an 11 o'clock slot, which I got to say was a bad choice for me. I probably should have done a little sleep, then woke up, hit it, and then went, went back to sleep. Uh, but 11 o'clock, I had that slot, and I went up into uh, one of the rooms in our house, and it's kind of like our office guest room thing. Uh, it's just kind of everything now. I put a drum kit in there. It's just, it's chaos. Uh, but... I went up there, and I was trying to pray, and 11 o'clock's rough for me. I mean, like, now that I have kids, 11 o'clock, that's sleepy time. That's, like, an hour and a half past my bedtime. Like, I'm a grown man. The kids don't know what day it is. They get up at the same time every day. Uh, Thankfully, as my kids get older, they sleep in longer. It's like, praise the Lord for that. But I'm up there in this room, and it's 11 o'clock, and I'm thinking, and you might have had this thought, what position can I put myself in so I don't fall asleep? That's going to send a bad message as the pastor of this church if I, like the disciples, cannot tarry for the hour but fall asleep in my own house right? And I have one of those dogs that is like, oh my gosh, I wish I could move as faithfully in step with the Spirit as my dog does when I move. I don't know if you have one of these dogs that if you move, they're like, oh, we're going. Here we go. We're going. We're going. We're going together, right? We're here. Like if you like breathe too heavily, they think it's time to play. That's my dog. And so I'm like carefully walking around the room like, okay, maybe if I just keep moving. So I got to do this kind of like toddler poop walk around the room, just kind of keeping it together here, being really gentle while I'm praying, trying to be spiritual, and eventually I just decided, you know what, I'm going to get on my knees before the Lord, because that is the most uncomfortable position I could take, and I figure if I'm uncomfortable enough, I won't fall asleep. Game on, right? And so I'm on my knees praying, and I'm praying, honestly, over this church, because I just spent all day reading headlines that were incredibly uh, wild, And I'm on my knees, and and, and I'm praying, and, and one of my prayers was, God, in the face of opposition, may we not give up doing the beautiful work of preaching the gospel. May we not quit. May we be led by you, Holy Spirit, to speak out the truth of the gospel in truth and in grace in truth and in grace. And that's a great combo, right? We say amen to that. But it's easier to say amen to than actually do. It's actually a little harder, right, to, to get that balance perfect of we're being gracious, but we're being completely gracious and completely truthful. We cannot deny either. And as I was preparing for this message, something that I found so fascinating is I'm observing Christians online, and it's a trend that I've observed really for the past decade, I think, is there's this trend in our church, be, or in our church culture, in church culture and Christian culture, because we long to connect with hurting and broken. We long to meet, reach out, hopefully, to people who aren't in here, is we've kind of developed this myth in Christian culture that the goal of Christians or the term of our success is if we are liked by the world. And by liked, I don't mean like they let us talk to, I mean like people who aren't believers think we're cool, right? Like that that's become like this term for success and I see a lot of people stack up the world's response to the truth of the gospel as the defining factor of if we're doing a good job. And that comes from a lot of this attractive nature or this desire of church to be like, no, no, no we're cool. You can trust us. We're cool. I, I remember I saw an interview with a worship pastor in the early 2000s. It was a young guy, and he's from a band many of you would know if I said it. And he was saying like, man, we just want to show that Christians can be cool too. To which I thought, is there anything less cool? than telling somebody you're cool right (laughs) is there anything less cool than from the back yelling hey guys I'm cool too right that's not as that's not cool right but there's kind of become this this attitude in the modern church where we want to be cool we want to be cool we saw that right we've seen that in the church's desire to be attractive right if I want, if I really want you to come to church, it can't be simply because God's good. That's not enough to get someone up in the morning. That's not enough to get your family here to be consistent. I got to have like a hip-hop DJ, and I got to have like a barbecue. Then we'll like care. Then we'll be missional, and so those, that's the nature of much of the early 2000s church. It's like, what speaker could we have? We don't care if he, uh, you know, we don't care if, if, you know, he knows Jesus even. It's just like, what was his ERA, and is he on a championship team, right? It's like, whatever gets people in, we got into this mode of, like, come see how cool my church is. Can I tell you, it's just not that cool if following Christ is simply everything about your life before freedom, but with Christ. Oh, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just everything you like normally doing, but you have to get up early on a Sunday, maybe once a month, and then come in and sit down for an hour and then go to Diego Pops and get some tacos, like that's not that compelling, guys. But we've made that the standard, and what happens? I mean, I, is that we begin to enable sin, and in doing so, enable slavery. Because it doesn't really matter about transformation. It doesn't really matter. It just matters in the church that the world thinks that we're neat, that we're clever, that we're cool, that we're fun. And we are cool, and we are fun but that's not the defining nature of success see the truth is that the goal of us as followers of Christ is to show the love of Christ with our life to live out the gospel to preach the gospel that is the definer of success am I living out the gospel am I preaching the gospel no there you go yes well there you go the gospel church are you hearing me the gospel john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life john three seventeen. for god did not send his son to the world to condemn the world but that he might reconcile the world to himself that he might save the world that we would receive him and not reject him but we know that some will I remember when I was vacationing here, I didn't really know Scottsdale very well, and I was with my family, and uh, we're trying to find a place to eat, and this is like early Yelp days, right? Like, this is where you, you couldn't necessarily trust, I mean, I still feel like you don't, I don't have Yelp because it's just a world of chaos, I just pick randomly when I drive by them. Uh... But you could, like, look it up. And the problem was, in the old Yelp days, like, half the reviews were just the owner under different accounts. But, like, had the same misspellings. It's like you spelled ours and ours, like, the same in all 18 reviews, right? And so we know that's you, owner Greg, or whatever you are. And so I picked this restaurant, and I thought, man, everyone's going to love it. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever really gone in and said, like, man, you're going to love this restaurant. And then people go there, and then they hate it that's a drag, right? You feel responsible. I recently told someone like, oh, this is a great restaurant, and they went and had a terrible experience, and then I feel personally responsible, right? Like, yeah, I kind of ruined date night or whatever it was for you, right? Because we think because we love something, other people will love it. We think because it's influenced us, because it's been positive to us, because we enjoy it, that when we tell someone, they're going to experience it, and they're going to love it. And yet Jesus promises That when we share the gospel, that is not always the case. John 15, 18, he says, If the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. See how this starts to upend this idea that success is the world liking us. It says, remember the word that I said to you, quote, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. This is the nature of being a follower of Christ. Some will see the peace that you have. They'll hear the gospel you're proclaiming. They'll hear it as truth. They'll say, yes, I want that for my life. That sounds amazing. I will do that. And they'll Repent. Repentance is not a bad word. Repentance is the key to freedom. I'll lay down my old dying self that leads to death, to hell, to suffering, and I will receive new life that comes through Jesus Christ. And they'll walk in that, and they'll celebrate that, and they'll hopefully continue to do that for others, not just be a cul-de-sac of the grace of God. But we're promised. We're not told. We are promised in Scriptures that others will hear that gospel truth and hate you and persecute you. The reality is as we look at scripture, it's often that when we are most like Christ, we are often most hated like Christ. And I want to tell you, this is not your excuse to go online and be a turd to people on Facebook. Right? This is not our excuse to be cruel or to be mean, but it is just letting you know that when you preach the gospel truth. I'm just going to tell you from personal experience and biblical evidence, people don't like that sometimes. I would say, a good amount of time. There is a response, and it's not even against you personally. It's just, we've all fought that war in the flesh, haven't we? If you're like me, you've fought you've fought coming to the truth. You were in that battle. So now that we're on the inside, it's easy to be like, how could you hate this? This is the best thing ever. But when we were on the outside of it, we're like, that sounds crazy. I'm not doing any of that. That's stupid, (laughs) right? And so we're told by Scripture that it is most often that when we are being like Christ, that we can expect some kind of opposition. We can expect for threats. We can expect for strangers to hate us and treat us poorly. We can expect for our work to dislike us and treat us bad. We can expect for our family even to have threats against us. Some of you have gone on the limb to tell your family about the gospel, and they did not respond in a way that really affirmed that life-changing step you made. You followed a sermon. I was like, go tell your family about Jesus. You're like, yes, Jesus. And you went to your family, and they were like, no, we hate that. And we're not talking to you anymore. I've had, I don't know if you've had that experience, right? And I say that to say, okay, then that's a really discouraging sermon. (laughs) Go share the gospel so people will hate you. But let's not stop there, okay? Let's not, we're going to pause there, but let's not stop there. Because it does lead us to a question Then, as believers who, being like Christ, will be persecuted, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to opposition? How do we respond? You will be persecuted if you follow Christ. Says it in his word. Be careful when all men speak good of you. You will be persecuted. So how do we respond? Because there's lots of ways to respond. And we've seen those. If you have social media, you've seen that recently. How do we respond? I, I don't know about you, but in the division of fight versus flight, I am a fight person. I'm a fight person. 100 out of 100 times, if the choice is fight or flight, I will choose fight. Full honesty, learning when to fight is really important. <laughs> and sometimes learning how to fight is even more important. And so I'm a fight or flight person, and so 100 out of 100, I'm going to fight. 100 out of 100, there, if, it, if that's the choice, run away or press deeper into the fight. That's what I'm going to do. But like Peter, I'm learning how to fight. It's not always cutting an ear off, right, to go straight for the kill shot, right? <laughs> I'm learning that like I, I go boxing, and what I've noticed is that yeah, everyone gets in there real confident, but the first time you throw a couple punches and someone gets domed pretty hard, you see if they're a fight-or-flight person, right? M- Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face, right? <laughs> Are you fight-or-flight? Uh, you won't know until you get punched in the face, till there's some opposition, but I, I've noticed that it's not as cut and dry, fight, or flight anymore. I think a lot of that is, has to do with social media. i got to be honest, guys. I don't know if social media is that good for us. I don't know if it's helping. The jury's out, in my opinion. But I've noticed some things. One, then there's a couple different kind of people. And I don't say this to guilt anybody, but to recognize in myself some of these own things, right? The first one is the social media soldier. You know a person I'm talking about, the, the good soldier, the ranter? getting after it person you got a strong sense of justice so it comes against you and you're like I'm fighting I'm going for it I'm doing it this is me like my natural tendency is to fight for things my natural tendency is to have a strong sense of justice my natural tendency is to want more and expect more and believe for more and and to go into battle and believe things that's why we're still here after COVID is because when things happen we want our team goes we're pressing into it We're making things happen. We're believing, and people go like, "Okay, yeah, okay." We're going forward. We're not just eating it and dying. But that has some problems, social media soldiers, right? You got some collateral that comes with that. You didn't really say that thing the right way. Come on. You shared that thing. You didn't really like look at it. Maybe you went really tough and intense. You bulldozed some people. Where my bulldozer's at? You don't got to raise your hand. The other person's the bendy straw. This is my favorite person, the bendy straw. I know some people like this. Let me explain. How many of you know what a bendy straw is, right? Right? We've all seen that. You get that in the cup, the shake. I don't know if people still drink shakes, but you know what it is? It folds over. The bendy straw person. I notice these people. It's like wherever someone is putting input, you bend that way. If the social media, if the soldier has one downfall, it's that they are unbending if the bendy straw has one, It's so that we are overbending. And what happens is people say, well, I don't know about that. And so you bend over here and say, like, yeah, you know what, you're right. I'm trying to be empathetic. Someone says, well, what about that? And you bend over here, and you're like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. And what happens is kind of living your life like chasing that straw around the glass, you know, like when you're trying to drink. just like. <laughs> what happens is you just bend, 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 and people drink, take, 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 take. And at the end, you are empty, and you've stood for Nothing. People say, well, I don't know if we can celebrate Father's Day because what about the single mothers? And you say, yeah, that's a good point. We shouldn't celebrate Father's Day, Ben. And the single mothers are going like, wait a second. No, we want examples of strong manhood in our church. We should celebrate. And you go, oh, yeah, that's actually a good point too. But you've you've shared both things on Instagram, so now what do you do? Right? (laughs) Just bend. Just. I'm being empathetic. Kind of. Third person I notice is the memer. Come on, you know this person. It's like they don't take anything seriously. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to deal with anything serious, so I don't take anything serious. Like, I just, everything's a meme. That one's fun for me, too. (laughs) I'm a really snarky person. But the response is just like everything clever, everything clever, a clever response. And the hard part is in being clever, it's a protection mechanism. And what happens is we end up not recognizing that there's real people involved in the things that we're joking about. And the fourth person is the ostrich. You know an ostrich when it's afraid, it sticks its head in the sand. I mean, it's still got that big furry whole back end part, but thank goodness that one tiny walnut-sized head is safe, right? Like that is the worst strategy ever. It's like none of me is safe if a lion comes and you stick your head in the sand. Now you're just immobile. Like you're the fastest bird and you just slowed yourself down. You gave yourself a a worse head start, right? I think the same thing happens to many of us. If you're an ostrich, you're like, you know what? I don't even know where to begin with this. It's chaotic. It's crazy. I would rather just be like, nope. People say, hey, man, what do we do about this? You say, I'm not into politics. (sighs) Well, Ostrich. I'm not in, I don't want to deal with this. Man, there's so much hurt, there's so much pain, I don't want to face it. It's like, yeah, but you should face it. There is a response, right? And the response isn't, bury my head in the sand, let my kids deal with that. There's all these different responses. The question is, how do we respond in the face of opposition? The early church faced a ton of opposition, Honestly, Uh, Very thankful that we don't have to face that kind of opposition. But every time they faced opposition, you would think they would shrink. Instead, they grew. And around the world, when the world, when the church faces opposition, it grows. Hear me. When the church gets comfortable, it shrinks. When the church faces opposition, it grows. That's how it works. Because it clarifies. It focuses. Because those other responses just don't cut it anymore. And there's a better response as believers, a better response to opposition, and that's to be Holy Spirit-filled. There's a Holy Spirit response. See, we talked the other week about Acts 3 and 4. We talked about the lame being healed. You would assume that when a lame man is healed, everyone will be pumped, right? If right now someone who couldn't walk, walked, we'd all be like, yes, right? 100%. Whatever he's having, I want it, right? That's what I want. And you would assume that when a 40, when a guy who's been crippled for 40 years gets up and is like wind sprinting down the halls, you'd be like, yeah, dude, What? yes, whatever that is, that's what I want. That actually wouldn't be human nature, though, would it? Because it says some believed, some were excited, some were like, what is this? I want this in my life. And some were like, no, super hate this. We should kill these guys. What? What a response, right? Yeah. Are you with me? What a response. Like, yes, this is great. And then the leaders were like, no, this is problematic. People are getting healed. We can't have people be healed in a way that we cannot rigidly define. Like, we can't have any of get out, get out of here, right? And they were threatened, some were angry. Some came against him. Like I said, when you act like Christ, there will be people who are like, no, heck no, we're getting rid of you. And that's what happens. Acts 4. If you brought your Bible, open it with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, as I read the tiniest Bible that has ever been created, and the tiniest font that has ever been written. It's the kind of font you write when you're trying to cheat on a test. Right here, you get that one note card. This is the size font you write in right here. It says, verse 17, chapter 4, verse 17. It says, But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. This is the religious leaders, the, the court, the law of the day. So, so they called them, Peter and John, and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, "Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard." And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. Now think on this moment for a second. You perform a, God performs a miracle through them. Somebody's walking now, and then what happens is they get arrested. Could you imagine that? Like right now, you pray for somebody, and God does a miracle in their life, and then you're arrested. And then you're taken before the court, and they say, listen, if you do this again, you're going to go in jail or worse. That would be a scary moment, right? They have precedent for believers or people who reflect Christ, or I don't know, literally Christ himself, being murdered for this same thing, right? So this is not unprecedented. This is like, oh yeah, this is a very present reality in their life. They say, listen, if you do this, if you do not obey us, we are going to get rid of you. We are going to kill you. We are going to put you in prison. And so there's a collision. And I just wanna tell you right now, if there is ever a collision in your life between the orders of culture and the orders of God and who you should obey, you should always obey God. Always, if the government tells you, do this, do this, and you know that that is counter to the principles of God, you obey, you obey God. Always. Always. If culture is putting pressure on you to do something that is counter to the principles of God, you obey God. That's how it works, right? But these are scary times. How many of you, if you're just being honest, you'd be like, that, that, would, that would really shake me up, Right? Be honest, you're like, that would really shake me up. If I went in and they threatened me, I'd be like, okay, you know what? I think I'm taking a couple weeks off. I'm gonna go on a vacation. I'm gonna get my head straight. I'm gonna decide I really need like a mental health day, just a day for me. I'm gonna go get my nails done, or I'm gonna go fishing, or I'm gonna do I something. Just, I just need some time for myself. I need to process, I need to uh, decompress whatever it is that we do nowadays. I, I lose track. Uh, but they do something else. They go and they meet with the believers. And here's what happens. Are you still with me? Say amen. 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 Somebody say amen like you mean it. Amen. Amen. There we go. Verse 23 says, When they were released, they went to their friends. They went to their friends. Can I just tell you, we're going to do a series in August called The Lost Art of Friendship. And I'm going to push like never before to encourage you to learn how to make friends. It's so important, it's so necessary. So they went to their friends and reported what the chief of priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. And here he's going to quote Psalms. Ready? He says, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They said, For truly in this city... There were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Someone say boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. It says, when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what? Boldness. Come on, with what? Boldness. boldness. With boldness. With boldness from the Spirit. I love this. The early church, here's their response to opposition. You ready? First thing, they prayed together. They prayed together. If you take a notes, I just want you to write this down. They prayed together. Verse 24 says, They heard the threats. They heard what came against them. And they prayed together. There's a reason we have a 24-hour prayer room. And it's not because we don't have anything anything better to do. It's because the response in life is prayer. A hard day, prayer. A good moment, prayer prayer. A difficult season, prayer. The country in chaos, prayer. You're frustrated, prayer. You're excited, prayer and praise. Prayer is the response. It's a natural rhythm of Christian life to pray. They prayed together, and I love that the prayer team set that up because it is important that we pray together. In our family, we have a pray now principle, which is just if we feel like we should pray, we should pray now. And that's because what happens is we say, I'll be praying for you. And the reality is, no, you won't. (laughs) Come on. Just church people, let's be honest for like five seconds. I know. You might be falling asleep. Some of you, you're really spiritual. you got that prayer list. You pray for people. Some of you, if you're really being honest, you say, I use I'll pray for you and I'll be praying for you as a way to end a conversation. Someone's like getting a little heavy and you're like, man, I'm going to miss these lunch plans. Hey, brother. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to be praying for you gone, right? It is the, it is the, like, smoke flash of Christianity, like, I'll be praying for you, and then we're out, right? It's like, and I'm gone. I'm over there. Diego Pops getting my tacos for $25. I'll be praying for you. It's like, why not just pray now? You see that person later in heaven, they're like, hey, do you pray for me? Like, God's looking at you, you're like... No, no I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Let's just pray now. And so we do that as a family. Like, man, I'm stressed out. Let's pray now. My wife is so good at this. I'm just going to pray for you now. Let's pray now together. We do this family discipleship group. And one of the things that we started in our, in our routine is part of modeling. Modeling is one of the weeks we do for the family discipleship group. What are you going to model? So we're going to pray together in the morning. And I'm very, like, you know, focused on getting stuff done. And she's like, we got to pray together. And then if she's really focused on getting stuff done, I'm like, we got to pray together. And we, like, help each other. Let's just pray right now. Kids are frustrated. Hey, let's just pray right now. Kids are frustrating. Hey, let's pray right now. We're all frustrated together. Let's pray right now. Not like we'll pray later when we have time. We have time right now. If we're breathing, we can pray. We can pray. Pray now. And they did. They're like, all right, that sucks. Let's pray. Paul encourages the church in Ephesians 5 to address one another in Psalms, hymns, to address one another. In Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing making melodies to the Lord with your heart. Why together? Why to one another? Because it builds our faith. Some days I just don't have it, right? And some days you do, and that's why it works. That's why we need you to be consistent, and you need me to be consistent, and that's how friendship works. Because some days one of us does, the other one doesn't, but when we pray together, it builds our faith together. It builds our faith as a church. Church, we need to build each other's faith. We need to sing out who God is. We need to speak out what he does. There are so many lies in culture right now, and we just cannot go around attacking every lie. We need to speak truth to each other and build up the foundation of truth in the church. We need to cancel out lies that have been spoken over other people's life. We need to lift them up. We need to go to lunch with somebody and hear what's going on in their life and pray now for them over it that they would be delivered. We need to prioritize that prayer in our life if we want to see the move of the Spirit. What kind of prayer did they pray? Well, they declared God's authority. Do you ever wonder why we sing at the beginning? Like, well, that's just how the church works. They like to get us excited because then if we're excited, we'll give more. Like, nope, that's not why we do it. (laughs) We do it because we want to declare the authority of the Most High God. We want to speak out and sing out who He is and build that expectation because it's good for our hearts. Verse 24 through 28, when we look in the scripture, they say, sovereign Lord. Did you you catch that when they were talking about it? They started talking about God. They said, before they jumped into, we need you to do this, we need you to do that, we need you to do this. What did they say? You're sovereign. You're in control. You had a plan all along. They tried to kill Jesus. Didn't work. It was actually part of your plan. It's actually part of our salvation. You are sovereign. You are mighty. You're the creator. You sent the Holy Spirit have you ever been overwhelmed, and then you go into prayer time, and it's just awful? Like, it's just blech. Like, not like God's awful, but I mean, like, you're distracted and frustrated, and you're like, I don't even know what to pray. Have you ever been overwhelmed in a prayer time? It's like, All right, what do I, where do I start here? Uh, it's like, uh, you need that, like, Holy Spirit intercedes in your groans verse that talks about, you're just like, uh, okay, okay. Uh, <sighs> I've started a prayer. If you've never started a prayer like that, I don't know what's going on in your life. I've started a prayer like that, like literally yesterday, right? <laughs> How do we start when we feel like that? When we feel that opposition? Man, we just declare who God is. We start by recognizing God. We start speaking out who he is, who Jesus is. We start talking about his faithfulness, his character, his love. God, you created the heavens and the earth. God, you created this whole natural world. We love to say organic as if it's an accident, but it's not organic. It is highly organized and operated. Everything works together. God, you made that. When I wake up tomorrow, thank you that the sun is the perfect distance from this earth so I do not catch fire or gotta go up wrapped up like an Inuit in my little coat fight off polar bears just to get to the kfc whatever it might be i'm just like thank you god thank you lord that you are who you say you are and sometimes we need that we need to speak those praises over our situation and over our life and begin to speak out god amidst all things i'm thankful for you and i trust you see boldness begins by trusting god There's no faith without trust. And to trust, we have to recognize who God is. He has the authority. He has the power. He has the history. And I know it's easy to have faith when life is easy, but it's hard to have faith when life is hard, but we have to build it on that foundation of, God, you are God. And so they begin to ask for three things. Here's what they ask for. You ready? Let me give you three things. First thing. They said, look upon the threats. Did you catch that? I don't know if you ever read Scripture and you're like, what? That's a weird thing to pray when someone's trying to get you. It says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. That's an odd response. Gotta just take a look at it, would you? <laughs> Give this a peer review while you're up there in heaven, would you please? But that's not what they're saying. They're saying take notice of, take note of. God, take note of and notice they don't say God stop them. God, make it easy for us. God, we'll go when you've made it easy, when you've made it perfect, when you made a way. God, we'll start moving when it's comfortable again. We'll start sharing when we get social promo and love, and people are about the things we're sharing. Then we'll start really sharing the gospel. God, take away the threats. Then we'll go. Notice how they don't say God take vengeance on these people. Right, I, I'm a justice person, right? They, say, they don't say, God, take vengeance. They're not angry. Right? That OG Yoda vibe, right? Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to the dark side. I mean, that's kind of true. <laughs> but Jesus, who's better than Yoda in almost every possible way, including height, <laughs> said to love our enemies. That one's hard. That one's hard. Love our enemies. Not love your enemies when they act like your friends. right? Love your enemies when they make themselves lovable. That would be we- that would be convenient, right? Love your enemies when they give you a reason to love them, when they treat you well when you love them, when they respond in a way that's loving. It says, love your enemies while they're being your enemies as Christ, right, loved us. Christ, it says, while we were still enemies to God, came and died for us. And he says, love your enemies. And he goes from beyond, he says, pray for those who persecute you. So not only have they placed themselves in alignment against you, but they're actually coming against you in some way, physically, to persecute you. That is even more difficult. If I'm going to be honest, that this is really hard for me. Because I'm a person of profound justice. I'm a fighter. I don't handle... Persecution in this way, well. I I, I I, feel the need if someone comes against me or my family, it's hard for me to say, like, well, we're just going to love our enemies. I want to fight. If you want to come be, like, I'm, we're, it's going to happen. Well, I'm, I'm going to take you on. If there's injustice, I want to go find it. I want to go fight it. That's what makes me me. I want to go to dark places. I want to bring a light. I want to destroy the enemy. That I want that in my life. And so when I come upon these moments, and Jesus is like, no, I, I need you to find ways to love those who are in complete. I'll position with you, my spirit's like ah, right inside of me. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it breaks out in ways that are not healthy. Inside of me, it's like ah, right, and I'm like, okay, there has to be something here. I say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to lead me. Holy Spirit, my flesh does not want to love my enemies, it wants to destroy them. Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me. I feel, I hope I can be honest with you. Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me on how I can love my enemies, how I can love those who persecute me, how I can do that. That cannot be an effort of my flesh, it has to be of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's enough for me just to go, God, look at what's happening. I don't know how to respond. I need you. I need you. Sometimes that's enough. God, just see the opposition. The second thing they asked is give us boldness to preach the gospel. Give us boldness to preach the gospel. They said, look at the threats, give us boldness. You have to understand the believers were afraid. They were told, right? You continue to do this, you will be put in jail or maybe killed, whatever it might be, right? That's not just for them, that's for their family. That's for their children. It's one thing if you make a choice for you. It's another if your whole family is involved. You keep doing this, you're going to destroy the future for your children. They're not going to get in where they want to get in or work where they want to work. In fact, you're going to be in jail, they're going to be without that's a scary reality. And in the face of fear, they say something that is crazy. They say grant your servants to preach to continue to preach the gospel with boldness. Endow us, give us the strength to preach your gospel with boldness. This is so similar to what Hezekiah prays in Isaiah 37, except in Isaiah 37, Hezekiah is asking for deliverance. The church here doesn't ask for deliverance, because, you know, Christians were a little crazy, but in a good way. They ask for courage. Courage. The church had such a burden for the lost. They shared Christ's burden for those who were hurting and broken so much that they weren't afraid of dying. They were afraid of fumbling the opportunity to share the gospel. That's what they were afraid of. They were so burdened for the loss that they were more afraid that their neighbor would go to hell without hearing the gospel than they were themselves being put in prison. How do I even preach that gospel in a western context? How are we even we're not even close to that. Like, we're, we're not, if it's a nice Sunday, half the church is gone, let alone go to jail, right? I, I prayed to God so much this week. God, how do I even preach? Because I see such profound opportunity. I'm a person of hope. I see this as an incredible opportunity for us as a church to step into the beautiful ministry of God. Everywhere that God goes and the Spirit goes, there is opportunity for breakthrough and life change and restoration. But look at these crazy people. That said, God, I'm more afraid to fumble it for the gospel than I am to die. Lord, may we reflect anything close to that. They prayed, God, don't take us out of the game. Don't let fear take us out of the game. I remember I went to England as a kid and played the soccer tournament, and it was, like, our fourth game of the day, and I got a cramp, and, and you're trying to, like, walk it off, and they want to sub you off, and you're just like, no, I'm finishing out, like, I'm doing this, I'm finishing out, every game was a, I, and it was a thing of pride, because, like, once you get, once you lose a spot, you didn't get it back, and I was like, I'm keeping this spot. And I remember the coaches, like, signaling me, like, hey, man, we're going to take you out. And I was just like, no, which isn't the great response to tell your coach. He just met, like, a week and a half before. Uh, and I was just like, no, it's not happening. I'm staying in the game. And I sense that spirit here from the church, like, God, we are afraid. God, we are hurting. God, we are confused. But don't take us out of the game. We got things to do. The gospel is too good to be sidelined. There's too much hope for us to be muzzled by fear. We need the Holy Spirit's boldness. And so they asked for it. And then they asked for something else amazing. They said, would you move in miracles of mercy? Not would you destroy the people coming against us? Not would you move in like fire fall from heaven or like earth open up, swallow them in. But miracles of mercy, they say, would you heal? Would you bring signs and wonders performed in your name? Meaning there's some action and movement on our part. So would you bring healing? That's amazing. They didn't ask for deliverance for themselves. They asked for it for others. Think about that kind of eternal perspective. Hey, we're going to destroy you. And we want to go like, oh, yes, God, deliver us. And in fact, they said the opposite. They said, God, keep giving us opportunity to bring deliverance to other people. Give us opportunity to bring deliverance. As an outsider, you might look at this and go like, wait a second. Last time God healed somebody, you guys got in this position. Now you want them to do it again? It's just going to be the same thing, guys. It's going to be the same cycle. That sounds exhausting. They're saying, no, listen, our success as a church is not defined by the approval of the world. It's defined by our alignment with God and his mission. We have been given something beautiful to do, bring hope to the world. You are blessed to have the mission of Jesus Christ upon your life if you know him and serve him and follow him. That is a blessing that everywhere you go, you have been given a mission and the power of peace and joy upon your life. That God sent his Holy Spirit to do miracles through you. He came to work through you to deliver those who were in darkness, to bring miracles that testify to his goodness. That's your calling. They said, God, send it. Send us miracles. Miracles that testify to you, that point to you. They knew it was a necessity, and I got to say, church, it's a necessity today. And so God responded. I'm going to give you three quick ways as the band comes up. Three quick ways God responded. God responded. First of all, God shook the house. He shook the house. Look with me. Uh, verse 31. He you still with me? Say amen. It says, and when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered was shaken. Somebody say shaken. Oh, come on. Somebody say shaken like you mean it. Yeah. God shook the house. I love that. After praying, immediately the manifest presence of God was there as a reminder that God was with them. Man, can I tell you, I've been praying, God, shake your church, shake us up. Shake us up, Lord. Shake your church. When we sing this song about wind or breath or fire, whatever we're praying falls this week, I'm like, God, yes, literally send that. We want that. That's what we need. We don't need more attractive programs. I'm not, we don't need any more guess this, add this, do this. We need your presence manifest and we need the church to stop playing church and start being church. Send your spirit, shake your house. Some of us, it is time. Someone here today, it is time where you say, "God, shake me up." Shake me up. You need that good old-fashioned 1950s female movie lead kind of shaking, where he tells her to calm down, but he just keeps shaking her, like, come on, you gotta pull yourself. We need some of that. Just like some of you need to shake it off. Just OG Taylor Swift vibes. Right? You need to shake it off. You need God to come up and begin to shake things off of you. You have been stuck, you have been selfish, you have been distracted. Maybe some of you've been apathetic. You're like, what's it even matter? Maybe it's been about you. This morning, I'm just going to pray God would shake that off of you. That he would shake you up. he began begin to stir something up. That you do matter. Your life is important. You do have a ministry on your life. He has filled you. He has called you. He has stirred you. He does have a plan for you. He can work through you. He can bring miracles. But first, he needs to just shake you up. To get you out of your place. Burn a fire. Really light something up inside of you. I want us to be like that nest of bees and just, they got to get out. They just got to go, right? That's what I want. If I'm here to do, any, do anything today, I just hope I'm just kicking that thing. Third thing God does is the Spirit filled them. Verse 31, it says, as they prayed, the place was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this is not the baptism that we talked about in Pentecost. This word filling is the fresh anointing. It's a portion given for a set time and moment. It's a renewing. It's a fresh anointing. It's a reviving. It's the Holy Spirit coming in and saying, I'm here to manifest not only in a greater recognition of my presence with you, but in a greater manifestation of the giftings in this moment. And so the Holy Spirit begins to move. See, church, we vessels. were meant to be filled up and poured out. Some of you, you've just been so poured out. You're just, you're feeling empty. And this morning, my prayer for you is that as you seek the Spirit, that He would give you a fresh filling. You'd feel renewed. Some of you, you're like that stagnant water. You were around church long enough that at some point you got filled up, but you didn't do anything with it, and now you're kind of like, the only thing you're really manifesting is mosquitoes. This morning, God's saying, man, you need to let me just knock you over a little bit and fill you back up with that good water, that life, that renewal. Say, yeah, I know. I've seen and I've done it. And he said, yeah, I know. I'm going to pour that out. That's enough of that. This is for you right now in this place, a fresh filling, a fresh anointing. The early church said, we need the Holy Spirit to continue the mission. Fill us. And the Holy Spirit filled them. And where the Holy Spirit is, there's boldness to preach the gospel we see finally the spirit empowered them to preach boldly says they were filled with the holy spirit and continued to speak the word of god with boldness immediately god falls or the holy spirit fills i mean and begins to move i want to tell you in bold faith that god can move now he can move now right now right now in your life and it said they continued. I love that. This wasn't a new thing they were asking God to do. This is, this is the thing. What they were created for. What they signed up for when they said they wanted to follow Christ. God, may we continue in boldness to not give up. Can I just encourage you? No one's more committed to the spread of the gospel than the Holy Spirit. And so if you ask him to help you, he will. No one is more committed to, hurt, to helping the hurting and the lost than Jesus Christ. And if you ask him to go with you, he will. To bless you, he will. No one's more committed than the Lord. No one's more committed than the Lord. Our prayer is simply, God, give me the boldness to fulfill your heart. And can I tell you, that makes the Lord happy. God, give me boldness to fulfill your heart, to fulfill your desire. I really believe when we pray that the Lord is overjoyed. When we pray, even right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, move in this moment. Stir up a yearning in this place shake off the apathy in our church in this country and burden our hearts. A real burden for the lost, for the sick, for the hurting, to the broken. Don't let fear sideline us. I love the movie Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. I'm not going to show a clip of it because it's pretty extreme. It's about um, a young man by the name of Private Doss who was a conscientious objector during World War II and he was sent to Okinawa, the first half of the movie is basically just him getting beaten up for not wanting to use a rifle and for being essentially a pacifist. And he's sent, and his whole unit is sent to Okinawa to Hacksaw Ridge, which is the battle, which ends up being the one of the bloodiest battles of World War II, the most lives lost. And in it, there's a little interview at the end where he talks about it, and you see a display, but he talks about it, that as he was on In the middle of this battle, surrounded by blood and violence and chaos, he prayed this prayer, Lord, let me get just one more. He didn't have a rifle. He just prayed, I... Lord, let me get one more. And he went and he would go and he would find his, his uh, fellow soldiers who were wounded and he would treat them and he would bring them to the edge of the ridge and he would tie a rope down them and he would lower their body one by one by one, lower them down this ridge over and he would, in complete exhaustion, lay back and stare at the sky amidst the sound of bullets and gunfire and death and chaos and he would pray, Lord, let me get just one more. He was given the Medal of Honor because he saved 75 men that day, 75. I think that's incredibly exemplary, the 75, but I think it would have still been exemplary with the one because he prayed, Lord, let me get just one more. C.S. Lewis says in mere Christianity that we are behind enemy lines, that we will face opposition. And I have to agree but I think our response is just like the early church. It's just like Private Dos. God, give me the boldness to go out and get one more. Give me the boldness to love one more. Give me the boldness to serve one more. Give me the boldness to go out and sit in the hurt and the pain with one more. Give me the boldness. Lord, give me just one more. Until we get that, we get nothing. This is our call. Lord God, give me the strength to go get one more. In the face of laws and chaos and countries and wars and famine, the cry of the church has always been, Lord, give me one more day to go get one more. Give me one more day to go get one more hurting person. What would the church look like if we lived this way? Can you just picture what this church would look like in six months if every single person said, Lord, give me one more. You woke up today or tomorrow and said, Lord, give me one more today. One more opportunity, one more person. You pulled out your phone, not to browse Instagram, but to text somebody and said, Lord, give me one more. You went into work not thinking, man, I can't stand these people, but Lord, give me one more. You walked down your streets, you came into this building during church thinking, Lord, give me one more. What would it look like? There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of craziness in this world. But I believe there's infinite possibilities. Church, we have been given great possibility. And I want us to respond today. And I want to invite you to respond as the early church by praying together that God would give us boldness. That we would see the gospel preached and lives restored. Would you stand with me this morning? There's no, uh, there's no raise your hand. uh, We'll pray together response to this message, because the response is is however you feel led to respond. I told the first service I'll tell you today that there is a response to this. Hopefully in your heart there's not stagnation. Hopefully there's some you're 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 stirred in your heart by the truth of the word of God, and I would pray that you would respond to that. For some of you today, it's a response of Holy Spirit, I need your boldness. I need your filling. For some of you, you need to come up and just lay your heart at the altar. There's plenty of space just to lay your heart down and say, God, I give you everything. Give me boldness. Give me boldness. For some of you, it's God, would you stir me up? Would you stir up a passion, a burden for the loss to go get even just one more? For some of you, it's God, would you shake off the apathy and the selfishness and Help me to be led by you, whatever it is. I'm just going to invite you in a moment as the band leads. I'm going to pray for you and release you as the band leads to respond. If you need to come to the altar, if you need to fall to your knees, if you need to lift your hands, whatever it is, I invite you to receive what God has because it is a blessing. When the Holy Spirit falls, when the Holy Spirit moves upon you, you will be renewed, you will be restored, and you'll be sent out full of the Spirit. In the boldness of the Word of God. Let me pray for you this morning and I'll invite you to respond. Lord, we thank you for your Word in this moment. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, stir up a yearning in us. Stir up a passion in us. A boldness, God, not to shrink away at the pivotal time at such a time as this, but to stand for the truth of the Word of God and in boldness. In boldness, go out and bring the gospel to go to the hurting. I pray, give us a passion. Give us a burden. God, break our heart for what breaks yours. God, stir your spirit. Send your wind upon us in Jesus' name. I just invite you to respond to the Holy Spirit this morning. Respond with the Lord and invite him to move upon your life. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.